Today, I'm answering your questions about Social Security and RMDs. This is Retirement Revealed, where Jeremy Kyle and his guests guide you towards making smarter retirement, investment, and tax planning decisions. Welcome to Retirement Revealed. I'm your host, Jeremy Kyle, and we're here to turn your retirement savings into retirement income. And today I'll be answering your questions about Social Security, RMDs, and a special one about annuities. I've got my producer helping me out. Patrice, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. You know I love being here with you. It's always fun and you get to be the voice of the listener because these are listener questions that were, were sent in. And of course, if you want me to answer your questions on the show, go to retirement-revealed.com. In the top right, there's an Ask Jeremy a Question comment box so you can do that. Or if you're watching on the uh, Mr. Retirement YouTube channel I've got, then uh, go ahead, just type your question in the comments. Jeremy, I'm just really pleased that we've gotten listener questions so quickly. That was wonderful. So where do you want to start today? We'll, we'll start with the, the first one, and this is one we get quite often, which is how is Social Security taxed? And that's a great question. Uh, and I think it's a question because it's so complicated. Uh, now I've got a, a link to the, the IRS site that talks about this, uh, but really what happens is some of Social Security is not taxed, then some of it is taxed half the time or half as much, and then some of it's taxed up to 85%. And the way you figure out of 0, 50, or 85 is a term called combined income. I've seen it called provisional income before as well, too, where you basically take all of the income that you have that's not Social Security, and you take the income you have that is Social Security, but it's only half the Social Security income. You take that half the Social Security income, you take all your other income, and then you throw it against these different benchmarks, these levels where all of a sudden you go from zero taxed to 50% of it taxable to 85% of it taxable. And if you're someone that's been paying attention to Social Security for a little bit of time, you'll you'll know two things. Uh, one is it hasn't changed in forever. They came up with this 40 years ago, hasn't changed in forever. So more and more people are, are reaching this. Um, but if you're married filing jointly, these crossover points are at 32,000. So you go from zero taxable to at 32,000, you start getting 50% taxable. And then above 44,000 of this combined provisional income, whatever you want to call it, then it starts getting to be 85% taxable. So let me just give you an example. I think it'd be easier to, to understand a bit with example, where let's just say you make $30,000 from your pension, you make 20,000 from social security uh, and you're married. You've got to combine that together, except you have to combine 10,000 from Social Security, because that's half your Social Security amount. Mm -hmm. So 30,000 plus half the 20, which is 10. 30 plus 10 is 40,000. Now you're in that, that middle level. That means that part of your Social Security will be taxable. Now that level started at 32,000. Your combined provisional income was 40. That's an $8,000 difference. The answer now is $4,000 of your Social Security is taxable. Not too bad, right? You made 20,000 Social Security, only 4,000 of it's uh, taxable. And here's where it gets interesting, especially when you get this thing called required minimums, RMDs. What if you make that same 30,000 pension, you're making that uh, 20,000 Social Security, but added on top of that, you get 20,000 of a required minimum. 
it's it gets more complicated because now you take 30 plus half the 20 of Social Security is 10, you're at 40. You have the 20 required minimum, you're at 60. Now you're above the that level, you're above that 44,000 level. Well, now 85% of your Social Security could get taxable. And so when you when you do the math and that 50% level, there's some some room there. So you've got some taxation. But then you do the math and you're 16,000 above this crossover point. Well, uh, I brought a calculator here to figure it out. 85% of 16,000 is 13,600. When you add those together, 19,600 of your 20 grand of Social Security meets the uh, the formula, except there's a taxable max. You can't have more than 85% of your Social Security being taxed. So even though the formula gave you 19,600, in this example, 17,000 your max, uh, which which just shows you it's uh, incredibly complicated, right? <laughs> and there's required minimum distributions. You have no say over that. Once you hit, it'll be 73. Once you hit that, that money has to come out. Yeah, that has to come out. So that's going to be the the second question that pops up. So we'll 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 get to that in one second because there's this term called the tax torpedo. This is exactly what happens with this tax torpedo, which is why uh, I encourage you when you hit Social Security, start using a professional tax preparer if you haven't done it yet. And it's also why you should start tax planning ahead of time. If you start your tax planning and do the proper amount of Roth conversions before you start your Social Security, this formula doesn't affect you if you're not on Social Security yet. Uh, or maybe you have a, a small amount of Social Security. It doesn't affect you uh, too much. That's why it's called the the tax torpedo. The tax torpedo is when your your Social Security and your RMD combine together to have a higher marginal tax than what you expected. Perhaps you're in the 12% bracket. So you would expect when you take money out of your traditional IRA, it would be taxed at 12%, except that it doesn't quite often. It might cost you the 12% on your required minimum and your traditional amount that came out, but then 85% of that uh, starts going from tax-free Social Security to taxable uh, Social Security. The the math is 12% times 1.85 equals 22% taxes. That tax torpedo might be a 22% marginal tax when you're just in the 12% tax rate. And speaking of the 22% tax rate, the tax torpedo really hits you when you're in the 22% bracket. I see that most often when if you're at the top of the 12% tax bracket, another name for that is the bottom of the 22% tax bracket. And this happens quite often when you're widowed. When you're widowed, the tax brackets shrink in half. It's easier for you to get to the 22% tax bracket, easier for you to hit that tax torpedo, which now the math on this is when you take the money out and you pull your social security showing up, now that's 1.85 times the 22% tax bracket. I see quite often a 41% marginal tax on what you paid in that IRA withdrawal. That's the, the oh, wow. tax torpedo. That's what you need to be planning for ahead of time. But now you're talking federal taxes here. Does a, is there a state component to this? Yeah, so we're talking federal taxes because that hits you most. So that's why, again, Social Security taxation is so complicated. Not every state taxes Social Security. The majority of states don't tax Social Security. I'm in Wisconsin and Social Security is not taxed in Wisconsin, or maybe you live in a state like Florida that has no state income tax at all. Or there are states like I've seen uh, Kentucky and Illinois where they uh, have different rules. Kentucky's got this like 
amount where there's a certain amount uh, is not taxed and then your retirement income above that amount is taxed. In Illinois, anything that's retirement income isn't taxed. So it's it's quite interesting. It was complicated enough in the world of federal and then you take a look at how the state comes in. So that's why it's so important to work with a financial advisor, work with a, a professional tax preparer when you're looking at how social security gets taxed. Yeah, my head is exploding just listening to you. You need that expert. I, I believe it, which uh, if you thought that was tough, and of course, uh, that's why I mentioned these RMDs before with Social Security is they all kind of combine together in a way. Uh, but that's the second question we got, which is mm-hmm. how do RMDs work? And it would be nice if RMDs were easy. It'd be nice if it was a percentage. And I think we all, like we, we get percentages, uh, but it's not easy. The IRS uses something called a divisor. You're supposed to take uh, last year's ending value divided by a number that has a decimal point to get the answer. Uh, my kids are, they're learning math. They're in school right now. Dividing, dividing with decimals, it's like the hardest thing you can do. Uh, <laughs> and then your divisor gets smaller every year, which means you take out more every year. And then they just change the age from 70 and a half to 72. So now it's 73 or 75. So if you were born in 1959 or earlier, your starting age now is 73. If you're born in 1960 or later, your starting age is 75. And then you've got to go and get your divisor, which uh, gets to be a lower amount the older you get, which means it's a higher percentage you have to take out the older you get. How is the divisor determined? It it beats me. It's supposed to be somewhat life expectancy related. uh, But I look a lot at life expectancy charts. And this divisor, uh, I suppose, is connected, but it definitely doesn't match up on there, but let me give you an example. Uh, So if you have 265,000 even, 0.00 at the end of last year, and you turn 73 this year, then you take that 265,000, you divide it out by the 26.5 divisor that's there near 73, and you have to take out $10,000 as your required minimum distribution. That one's easy, but chances are you don't have a number that's exactly Uh, 0.00 and it's exactly divided by that 26.5. And even if you did, your account value will probably change by the end of the year. And your number next year will now be 25.5. So now you have a new number with a new divisor. And of course it keeps getting more complicated because you might have different types of accounts like IRAs and 403Bs and 401Ks, which is uh, in in each of those have kind of uh, abilities. You've got to take it out from each of the different areas, uh, which is why it's quite common to consolidate. You roll over into that one type of account, that that IRA uh, type of account. And, and that's part of how these uh, RMDs show up in that tax torpedo I talked about earlier, which is why you've got to plan ahead, plan it out, and, and do what you can to lower your lifetime taxes, usually by doing those right amount of Roth conversions uh, ahead of time. So who does this? Who does the math? And who does the, who does the sending of the money to you? Are you responsible for that or is an institution where you have your money responsible? Well, you're ultimately responsible uh, because it's your tax return. Uh, but at the same time, uh, most institutions have an idea. Well, if they if you invest with them, they they ask your birthday. Uh, they know uh, when your birthday is, but it can get complicated, especially with inherited RMDs. And I'm not going to bother to go into there because that's that's way too complicated uh, right now. They might not necessarily know, or they might have the wrong information on the person who deceased and gave you the inherited IRA. So I've seen that. Or even I've seen too, where 
they're using the wrong table because there's different tables. If your spouse is more than 10 years, you know, if your spouse is 10 years uh, or 11 or 12, you know, more than that amount younger than you, there's a different table you get to use. So it's ultimately your responsibility, but the financial institution, they'll definitely know exactly how much you had at the end of last year. And they should give you the number. And uh, most cases that'll all be uh, right on. Finally, with the uh, RMDs, I want to tell you about this with uh, RMDs. It's not too late to do tax planning. You can do something called qualified charitable distributions to lower your taxable income. So if you have a requirement on distribution, that qualified charitable distribution says, I have to take money out, but it doesn't have to go to me. If that requirement on distribution goes out to a charity, it satisfies your RMD requirement, but it doesn't show up on your tax return as taxable. And I work with a lot of uh, clients who are who are giving generous people. They're already giving money to charity anyways. And now they're getting to the age where they have to take out the RMD. If you take out the required minimum and send it to yourself, and then you write the check to charity, mm-hmm. that's a whole lot more taxation compared to if you take the required minimum and send it directly to the charity. So it's if you're at required minimum distribution age, it's not too late. You could make use of that qualified charitable distribution idea. It's also a, it's a myth. It's a myth that you're too old to do Roth conversions. A lot of people tell me that maybe their accountant tells them that even if you're at required minimum distribution age, uh, you can still do Roth conversions. You can still take money out of your traditional account, move it to your traditional account. It's just, you can't Roth convert your RMD. So if your required minimum is 10,000 or 20,000, that has to come out, you know, either to you or as a QCD to the charity. But anything above that, you can still do a Roth conversion. So there's a myth out there that uh, I'm too old to do Roth conversions, uh, and that's that's not the case. It's Jeremy Kyle here, and I know you're listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast because you want to learn more about making great retirement decisions. I've created a free video course for you to do just that. Head over to 5stepretirementplan.com and sign up to receive this video training right in your email inbox. We broke down our 5-step retirement plan into bite-sized videos so you can get started on the retirement, investment, and tax planning you need to create a consistent retirement income. Go to 5stepretirementplan.com, use the number or spell it out, you'll get there either way. 5stepretirementplan.com. Thanks for listening, and now for the rest of the show. One thing about the QCD, and you have mentioned it before, and I think it's very important that you repeat that, the money from the RMD has to go directly to the charity. It cannot go to you. Otherwise, as you said, you will be hit with taxes. Yes, and uh, interesting enough with that uh, too, a couple of things. Thank you for bringing up this. Again, telling you the complication of things like uh, RMDs is um, the QCD has to be payable to the charity uh, for whatever reason, there's actually a, a rule that says the check can be mailed to you and then you can hand it over uh, to the charity. Uh, so it has to be payable to the charity. And most people that I know send it directly to charity, which is why I say it that way. Uh, but then two, what's interesting with uh, qualified charitable distributions, the financial institution, their job is to do something called a 1099 at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It uh, just reports out how much money got sent out of the IRA it's your job, your responsibility to tell your tax preparer to get it on your income tax form correctly. How much of that was qualified charitable distributions? That happens uh, so often. We just talked to one of our accountant friends and he said his number one 
issue every year is when the clients just bring in the 1099. It says $10,000 came out, but they don't have any proof or even they don't bother to tell them, oh yeah, this part of this money or all of it went to the qualified charitable distribution. So uh, a few things uh, to keep in mind there. Yeah. Make sure you can prove it. All right. So what's we've uh, gotten another question coming in here that you want to tackle. Annuities. Okay. Tell me about annuities. Yeah. So the, the question is, should I buy an annuity? And it's interesting because the word annuity probably is the most uh, inflammatory word in all <laughs> of finance. Uh, mainly because what you think annuity means is probably different than what the next person thinks annuity means and different than what I think annuity means. And we're not going to go into the history of what annuities are, but I'm just going to focus on two specific types of annuities, things for you to consider. Uh, the first one to consider is something called a multi-year guarantee annuity. It's uh, not a CD, but you can compare it to a CD where with a CD, you're entrusting your money. Let's call it a hundred grand. You're giving a hundred grand to the bank the bank will earn interest and pay you interest. And at the point of time that the CD is done, you get your money back. And there's maybe cashing out early interest penalties if you cash out early. So you're used to how a CD works, where you start today with a lump sum of money, uh, you earn some interest along the way, and then there's a date when it's done. That's how a CD works. The multi-year guarantee annuity, you start with a lump sum of money, but you give it to an insurance company. That insurance company, which is why it's called an annuity now, uh, earns interest. And then at some point in time, it's done. Three years from now, seven years from now, 10 years from now. So it's very comparable to CDs. There's been some uh, research done that shows that quite often these multi-year guarantee annuities have a higher interest rate on average than the CDs. Hmm. And that's not going to be the case all the time. But if you're someone who's a CD buyer, someone who says, I need to guarantee some money, uh, you should look at uh, the whole gamut of what's out there. And CDs are an option to guarantee your money for a certain length of time. Multi-year guarantee annuities are an option to guarantee your money for a certain length of time. And the, the research has shown that quite often the interest rates are higher with those. I can't say that it happen all the time. So when you're shopping your CDs, perhaps go shop these multi-year guarantee annuities, see what the rates are and, and consider the the differences between the two. So that's that's one thing where that's kind of an easy type of comparison, uh, I would say. There's all these other comparisons with variable annuities, fixed index annuities. There's almost uh, too many to make the comparison and say, here's the good, here's the bad. So I'm going to skip that part and talk about why the academics say you ought to consider buying an annuity. And you want to consider buying annuity if you think you need more guaranteed lifetime income. So to find out uh, first, uh, before you answer the question here of should I buy one or not, first decide how much of your money do you want guaranteed. If you need $8,000 a month of income, add up everything that's guaranteed and then the difference coming out of your investments. And now you can look at this ratio, You know, maybe half your money between social security and pensions if you're fortunate enough to have one. Maybe half your money will be guaranteed for the rest of uh, your life. Uh, and if you say that's that's good, I like that number, whatever your, your ratio is, uh, then why would you buy more lifetime income? If you already have enough of your money guaranteed through th different means, why would you go ahead and, and buy uh, others? Um, but what if you're not? What if you say, I, I just can't imagine if the stock market goes horrible and I lose all my money for whatever reason, uh, and, and I, 
you know, I can live with a 20% pay cut, but I can't live with that 50% pay cut. So going with this example, still, if, uh, if you need 8,000 a month in retirement and you're only going to get 4,000 of it, uh, guaranteed, and you don't feel comfortable with that, you should consider saying, I, I want more of my retirement income guaranteed. That's when you start considering an annuity or you know, really you should start considering lifetime income first. And I say lifetime income because you usually want to get the cheapest, best type of uh, account you can. And when it comes to guarantee lifetime income, I'm not going to say nothing, but it's pretty close to nothing. Nothing beats social security, right? Social sure. security, uh, the promises that are in there are higher than most any place you can find. And even then, uh, you cannot find on the market today an annuity that has this inflation increasing rider. Social security has an increasing amount every year with social security. Uh, and part of that's all legislation, but keep in mind too, social security has no commissions. If you were an insurance company and you wanted to build an annuity that modeled exactly uh, social security, you're at a disadvantage. You've got to pay out commissions to an insurance agent or maybe you know marketing costs and building out your website and things like that. These things are not in social security. And so social security has got an advantage where if you're somebody that wants more guaranteed lifetime income, really the first place to look is getting more from social security. And the way to do that is to delay social security. So you've figured out, uh, I want more guaranteed lifetime income. I've maxed out my social security because that's the first place to look. Mm -hmm. If there's anything left and you say, I still need some money uh, guaranteed, that's when you start looking at the lifetime income part of the annuities and whichever type of annuity, and there's lots of them. There's these things called SPIAs, single premium immediate annuities, DIAs, deferred income annuities. They start paying out to you later. And then these guarantee lifetime withdrawal benefits, which are annuities plus kind of an income part of it. Uh, I think you ought to solve for the income. What's the type of annuity, the company that's going to give me the highest uh, lifetime income? And then start researching what are their financials? How good are their guarantees? And what does the state offer in terms of insurance guarantees that are behind there? And where can you go for that information? Well, uh, send me a question. I'd be happy to answer those questions. I just had a, a question from a, a listener recently. He uh, was looking for an annuity. And of course, first thing I asked him was, uh, has he tried to maximize the social security and how much does he need every month? And how much of that does he want to have guaranteed? And and there's a, a gap there where he is not able to get as much guaranteed as he, as he would like out of social security. So he's looking for an annuity. And and I work with different brokers and places I can look and find. Here's the solving. First, you got to figure out if you have a problem. Uh, yeah. Do I need to get this uh, annuity or do I want to have it? And then you try to solve for the solution, which most of the time we're talking guaranteed lifetime income is, is how do I get the most uh, over my lifetime uh, from these different uh, companies and their, their different promises. Is there any age restriction on annuities, Jeremy? Uh, I'm going to say close to no. It's something like uh, if you're below 18 or above 90, <laughs> you, know, you probably can't. Uh, you That's most people listening, I think. Uh, but um, yeah, there's it's it's tough to find. And, and again, it's uh, very complicated. And it's not that the solution of you should always have an annuity or you should never have an annuity. It's try to figure out what am I solving for? Am I trying to get a good interest rate and I'm comparing it to CDs? Well, that might be something that you're 
solving for and you might find something there. Or do I, am I missing, do I need more lifetime income? Do I want more lifetime income? And then uh, solve for that. Too often I see where the annuities you hold are misunderstood. They're misunderstood by you. They're maybe misunderstood by the person that sold it to you uh, because there's bonuses. Oh, I got a 10% bonus. I got a 22% bonus. Or there's payouts. Oh, I got a 5% payout. Or there's a an income growth of 6% a year, 8% a year. Uh, these are all uh, quite often kind of phantom numbers that it gets put together to be part of how the lifetime income is generated. Uh, but quite often, either the uh, insurance agent or, or perhaps the person buying it are, are fixated on on this bonus mm-hmm. or a certain number, and they're they're not quite solving for the need. They're they're looking at maybe what's um, what seems like it's valuable, but may- maybe isn't. All right. With all these great questions that have just come in recently, how can other people reach you if they've got questions too? Yeah, for sure. So definitely go to retirement-reveal.com, click on the Ask Jeremy a question, or if you're watching on my Mr. Retirement YouTube channel, just type your questions in the comments so we can keep uh, educating you and educating the uh, the others for for being uh, a part of the uh, the show. And of course, there's a lot of resources I've got here. I've got some resources from Social Security about taxation, the IRS about the RMDs and these uh, these uniform lifetime tables that you need to, f- to figure out with your requirement of distribution. So go to the uh, the show notes, retirement-reveal.com to see all those. All right. Fantastic. What are some other topics you think we're going to be tackling in the upcoming podcast? Uh, we'll, we'll see what uh, whatever you're interested in. And uh, we're in all things retirement. So social security, pensions, taxation, Medicare, uh, investments, 401k rollovers. These are all the things that you, you get to about 60 or so, you start really really thinking about. So appreciate uh, you helping me out with the uh, the questions here and uh, appreciate you for listening to the Retirement Reveal podcast. We believe if you know more about your money, you will feel better about your money and you will make better money decisions. This was another great episode of the Retirement Revealed podcast. Click on the subscribe button below to automatically get our latest episodes. If you liked our show and want even more, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We would love to hear from you. Please go to retirement-revealed.com to learn more and send us your questions and feedback. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Kyle Financial Partners, Thrivent, or its affiliates. The guests are not affiliated with or endorsed by Thrivent Advisor Network. Kyle Financial Partners does not provide legal accounting or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Kyle Financial Partners is part of the Thrivent Advisor Network, a registered investment advisor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have with your investment planning. Advisory persons of Thriven provide advisory services under a doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network LLC, a registered investment advisor. Kyle Financial Partners and Thrivent Advisor Network LLC are not affiliated companies. 
Information in this message is for the intended recipients only. Please visit our website, www.kylefp.com, for important disclosures.